I was um, reading a travel book, and the uh, writer quite early on starts quoting other travel writers and came up with this nice wee pithy definition of a travel writer. A travel writer is someone who is defining themselves against a moving background. I quite liked that. It's Labor Weekend, people flow away, they're defining themselves against a different background. But it, it made me think about how we define ourselves. In the West, we tend to introduce ourselves as, I'm a teacher. We, we define, you know, what I do. I'm a carpenter. I'm a bricklayer. Um, which is great, but one day you can define yourself as that, and then you get a different job, and then you have to redefine yourself, and where do you go with there? Or one day, I'm retired, I'm retired, but I used to have a title that I... It, it's kind of confusing. We, as, as Christians, we define ourselves in reference to the loving God. So we say, uh, I like to say, I am a follower of Jesus. Um, many people prefer to say, I believe in Jesus, so they do it by faith. I, I'm kind of interested in how we live. We define ourselves in different ways. This morning, Aidan Harrison's going to come. We're going to have a chat. I think he's going to do most of the chatting. Come and join us, Aidan. And actually, part of this comes from some conversations we were having together, and some of them are definitions. Just press it once, and it'll go green. Awesome. Kia ora, Aidan. Kia ora. Have we got the... Uh... Ah, we will in a moment. Yep, just to give us the thumbs up, so... Uh, It'll just take a moment to refresh here. We look similar though, don't we? You like that? I took my Catman Zoo top off actually, but we've both got the... Um, I'll t- take the jacket off. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's all right. All right. So, he honore, he kurore, he kiti atua, he maunga rongo ki te whenua, he whakaaro pai ki ngā tangata katoa tihei mauri ora. We actually sang this song this morning, and um, I'm just going to do a brief sort of introduction, uh, but... Before I do that, um, usually in uh, where I come from, uh, and I've just been back to a tangihanga, to a funeral up in Gisborne, and um, you acknowledge those people who have passed on. And so you may read path. But at the same time that we acknowledge that whānau and their friends, we take a moment to acknowledge people who we have lost here. And we think and we remember those people now. Kelda. So, uh, Kokawari Toku Maunga, Calvary is my mountain. Uh, te Toto o Ihukaraiti Toku Awa, uh, the blood of Jesus is my river. Nō Gisborne, Aho. Uh, ko Ngāti Ingarihi Rato, ko Kotarani, ko Airihi, ko Wera Oku Iwi. So, English, Scottish, and Irish ancestry. I put the Irish in there last year when they beat the All Blacks. And I just found out that I've got some Wales ancestry. I don't know if any of you have done your central DNA away. You actually just spit into a tube and they get some of your cheek cells and they work it out. I jumped from 3% Welsh to 10% Welsh. Um, have we got any Wales, people from Wales here? Ireland? They haven't spat in the... Uh... Ah. <laughs> Scottish or English ancestry? Very good. It occurs nice. to me that a, a, um, a rugby team or a cricket team is a, a team that's slowly defining themselves against other teams. Yes. A fair bit of that going on. Yeah, it was quite nerve-wracking this morning. I didn't want England to win, though, anyway. I mahi au i rotu i Aranui, just down the road from you guys, um, near Central Huron Secondary School. Um, 
Yeah. That's where you worked? Yes, that was, uh, I worked at Aranui High School uh, for six years uh, in the early 2000s and also Central Huron Secondary School. Would anyone like to have a guess where in the world Central Huron Secondary School is? Very good. Oh, yes, great show. trumpet playing too. Thank you. Thank you to the music team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in 2015, I went to uh, Canterbury University and I did a Māori immersion studies. Can everyone say the word hōaka? Hōaka. Uh, can everyone say the word pōnamu? Pōnamu. I haven't got mine on today, but the hōaka is actually the sandstone, ah. which is like sandpaper, and the analogy was that I was the pōnamu, the greenstone, that needed shaping, uh, and that happened through my studies, through my lecturers, through my uh, colleagues, through my assignments, and I would come back and be a taonga or a treasure, and so the, the, the huaka, the sandstone, did that shaping, and, and we're all on a journey, aren't we? We're all being shaped by those things around us. Actually, that's not a bad definition for church, is it? Yeah. We're the sandpaper. <laughs> We rub bits of each other so they shine. Yep. Yeah, some of the chips on our shoulders, and I still need some shaping. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of it got a fine collection of chips. Yes, yeah. I hear Middleton Grange. I honour my Middleton Grange colleagues here. Mark as well, I think I saw somewhere. You're up on the drums, thank yep. you. Yeah. Um, so I was a science and te reo Māori teacher at Middleton Grange, and I also taught te reo and science. Um, at Aranui High School. Yeah. Uh, I tēnei wā, this year, he akonga au kei the University of Otago. So I'm studying theology, um, mātauranga Māori, Māori knowledge and education with a particular focus on Christian science education. Yeah. Uh, ko tēnei tōku whānau, uh, ko Aidan Harrison a hou. So uh, this is my family and I am Aidan Harrison. And I put these two photos up, they're two and a half years old now, but they're two very important places for all of us who call Aotearoa New Zealand home. Does anyone know where the picture on the left is there? <laughs> Rod Thompson. <laughs> very good. In Oihi Bay, way up north. Does anyone know where the picture on the right is? Very good. The Vandermeers. I knew it was. Yes. I taught Jasper. Good kid, he just got married, eh? Awesome. Hey. Hey, Jasper, you're here! <laughs> yes, I didn't teach your wife, though, but I did teach maybe an older brother or sister. But, yeah, awesome. Yes! Um, they, those guys do really cool little videos. I've watched them on Facebook, so well done, guys. And this is my family here. So, um, uh Bridie Tene or called Bridie Tera, Ia Taku Faiaipo. That's his Bridie. She is my darling. She is my... My um, my wife, or sometimes I introduce her as Kobridi um, Toku Hua Rangatira, Hua, my friend, um, Rangatira, my chief, my chiefly friend. Kuera uh, Maua Tamariki. These are our tribe here. So Ko uh, Josie Tira at the bottom. Ko Ia Te Matamua. Josie is the oldest. Kapai. Ko Luel. Um, I te taha Maui, on the left is Luel, ko ia te pōtiki o te whānau, the youngest, uh, ko Holly te rā, um, kei, kei mua at the, at the front, or at the back, sorry, and ko Maika, ko ia taku tama anake. Tama, boy, anake, 
Only. Only. Very good. Man, these guys are onto it, Colin. Very good. So that, that's me. That's my family. Um, and as Colin said, uh, I did mention that I have done some teaching, but actually sharing that, that pepeha, which is about me, is more about where I'm from and the connections I have, but also so that you can make some connections with me and I can connect with the Vandermeers and I can connect with other people that are here. So it's all about making those connections rather than, oh, so what do you do? Because um, that can change, can't it? Like you said, Colin. Well, actually, we've just started reading our way through the book of Romans, and it happens in Romans. In the last chapter, there's a sort of barrage of, say hi to this and this. And so when you went out, and oh, Jasper, that's kind of straight from the book of Romans. It's a really relational activity, mm-hmm. writing letter, far more than we tend to think of. Mm-hmm. Now, you are keen for us to sing? Well, we were going to sing, but we've already sung it. Well, is it all right to sing it again? Well, we could sing it again, but for the purpose of time, um, we won't sing it, but I do want to touch on a couple of things in here, um, just because there's some key words, sorry, the teacher in me. Go for it. Um, Te atua, God, te piringa. So last weekend, uh, we had a, a Christian kapahaka festival at the town hall. And uh, this song got sung, but actually, uh, at the moment, you're all spread out. If I said to you guys, whakapiri, pity actually means to all come together, to cling together. And pity, when it says, my God, my shelter, my fortress, that actually means quite a lot more than me. That, it means the thing that I cling to. So power and muscles, they cling to the rocks, and we're called to cling to God. And so that te atua te piringa, the one who I cling to. And then the last one, tōku oranga. Be careful when you copy and paste off Google, because tōku oranga will translate to tōku orange, my orange. It's, God is not our orange. But we did have a teacher whose favourite colour was orange, and um, it, yeah, she, she appreciated that, but actually we're talking about God as being our life. So... Yeah, that's that. And traditionally, you would have to sing. I'd have to sing the Waiata by myself. But um, I do quite like that. But just, yeah, for the sake of time, we have. Oh, and just, if we could just pop back. Yep. Um, It comes from Luke 2.14, which is actually this this verse here. And you can sing this in any secular context that you like. And in some ways, things Māori, te ao Māori, the world of Māori, is the last bastion of Christianity in a secular sense. You will be able to sing this anywhere. If you were to sing a hymn, maybe not. I guess the other one we've got is the national anthem where we can sing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing that we're actually able to do this. But Luke 2.14, this is what Samuel Marsden led with. This is what he quoted. This is the scripture he spoke from in the first sermon that was spoken in New Zealand in 1814 at Marsden's Cross, um, which... The Thompson family, they know about. And some of you might know about that as well, but yeah. Yes. So James Dobson, you know James Dobson? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And um, I've found that as a teacher, as a parent, well, actually, sometimes my kids actually don't care how much I know. Um, they, I can show them how much I care, and then they're not, still not interested. But generally... Uh, if you show that you care for somebody, then you have actually um, earned the right to speak into their life. And when I was invited back to this um, funeral up in Gisborne, I was kind of blown away because I left Gisborne in 1996 to come down here and study forestry. 
So that's 20, oh, 24, 27 years ago. Um, and this was for one of my, it was my pastors. Um, the wife had passed away. And I was affectionately known as boy to them. But I was invited to speak. I was invited to carry the casket. I was, it was, and it was like, oh, they knew, they know me, I know them. And even though I've gone back and forth at times, it was almost like, we know you, we know you care. Um, and so we're, we want to hear from you and we want you to be involved. So I don't know if that leads on to what we were. Well, it, it does in some ways. That wasn't always the case. You didn't always feel that way, did you? No. So how was it, you know, how was it when you were young, before you came, before you came to Otahi, came to Christchurch? Yeah, so I, I, I grew up immersed in Māori culture and uh, at work, school, church and play. And there was just a huge focus on being connected to the extent that I got really frustrated um, by what I perceived as um, in Māori time. And I say that because it's a little bit controversial, but I've learnt that you actually need to give time and the importance of time and value time with the people who you are with until you have finished the important connections that you have to do before you then move on to the next thing. Whereas teaching at school or other areas, it's this is the time. And I was getting a bit stressed out today because we were coming from the other side of town and we were going to be late. It's a long way. But you actually need to give the appropriate amount of time, which shows the value of the relationship to that relationship. And when that's concluded, you then move on to the next thing. So growing up in Gisborne, when we had music practices or sports games or um, fundraisers or church events or whatever, I would turn up on time. And that was held in very high esteem by my Anglican, Presbyterian grandparents and parents. And it was a, you honour your word whereas some of my Māori friends would turn up late or they would not turn up at all. And it was because they had a different way of honouring and it was honouring family. Family at the last minute had asked them to do something and so that took precedent. And so I ended up leaving Gisborne with a bit of a sense of frustration that like what good can come out of Nazareth. Um, and I was sharing with Colin, I'm now 46 and at the age of 44 and a half, 18 months ago, I spoke with my auntie, because my father's passed away, but my dad's sister, and I said, I grew up with this tension around you honour your word or you honour your family. And I said, I noticed my dad, he would honour his word over honouring his immediate family. No, I said I was going to go and help this old lady or old man or, or whatever, or, and he did that. And she said, oh, I don't know if you quite got that right, Aidan. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, better listen to my auntie. And she said, who was your dad out helping? I was like, oh, Auntie Sadie, Uncle William, Auntie Nancy, Auntie Eva. And the light just switched on in my, oh, they're all family, extended family. See, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but you have these perspectives of life, and they, 
they switch almost 180 degrees by one conversation that you have. And I was like, wow. So my dad was honoring his word and he was honoring his family at the same time. So I don't, is that? Hey, so, so you, came down to, you came down to Canterbury. What were you studying? Uh, forestry science, not floristry science. Not, not floral arrangements, flowers. But yes, I came down to study forestry. Ironically, I was going to learn the craft of looking after trees and then go back to Gisborne and look at marrying a Māori girl, even though I was challenged by aspects of Māori culture. But then I ended up meeting a girl down here who looked like a Māori, <laughs> and her last name was Wood. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, great so last name. Singular. I was doing wood science, and I was actually doing some wood, uh, wood oh, science paper. Oh, we're not doing the wood and, jokes. No, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Colin. <laughs> It was a bit Living Springs. You guys know Living Springs. Um, Bridie was serving in the um, food in the kitchen. And uh, I said, oh, are you Māori? And she's very gregarious, very outgoing. Um, and I said, oh, are you Māori? Because I was like, oh, well, this could be a Māori girl down here. Um, and she said, no, 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 why is that? And in the back of my mind, I'm struggling. I'm thinking, I don't want to offend this girl. I've just met her. Da, da, da. It's her nose, her big nose. Um, no, no, no. Uh, it's your cheekbone structure. And she said, it's because I've got a big nose, isn't it? I was like, just met her. Connections being important. Great start. Um, anyway, I shared that a little bit later. But yes, I ended up, yeah, ended up um, dating and marrying that girl, Bridie, who's here with me today. So, so yes. forestry engineering, you were going to go and fell forests and yeah, make... Yeah. But I, I did a lot of forestry work in the holidays, and I discovered that trees do not hug you back. It's true. My role was to measure them and work out how much wood there was in them, and I actually wasn't very good at reading a map, which was challenging because you actually needed to go to specific places, and it was quite a lonely job. You're up at 4 a.m. in the morning, get picked up at 4.30, drive an hour and a half, if you're, you might be by yourself doing that. And, um, and I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Um, I mean, what does anybody do that's spent four years of time and money and resources doing something they thought they were going to do for the rest of their life? Well, their second choice is to go teaching. <laughs> Sorry. All those secondary teachers out there that uh, I often say to my students that um, most of your teachers in secondary school, this wasn't actually their first choice. But I did. I loved teaching. It was amazing. And what good can come out of Nazareth? What good can come out of Gisborne? Well, my very first job was as a Pākehā, non-Māori. I got a job teaching at Aranui High School in the bilingual unit. So God had ordered my steps and given me the skills and understanding of te ao Māori, how it worked, and some proficiency in te reo Māori. And actually, I had a Scottish teacher when I was in standard three and four, what's that, year six, five and six, thank you, five and six, he had come over and he took me on, took our classes on marae trips, and he learnt the songs of this land in Māori, and he learnt the gold mining songs, and he would sing them to us, and he would explain them to us, and I actually got to meet up with him four or five years ago, he's now 88, and he lives in Oxford, and I got to share and say with him, hey, Mr Smith, you are a major reason as to why I am now working, um, helping people become more confident with um, their story 
in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Sorry, I'm stealing away what some no, of the no, other no, stuff fine, we might fine, fine, talk fine. about. It's kind of one of the, 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 the things for us to recognise is, actually, that's not that common. Most of us, most Pākehā grow up um, reading uh, with the Edmunds cookbook as the backdrop to their, mm. how they eat, and most Māori grew up with boil-ups and hungies, and, mm. and actually quite a, a, there's a different thing going on there, and not often do you get both. Mm. So it's actually not that common. So it's mm. a little bit unsurprising that you look at going teaching, but you actually have a skill set and experience that actually isn't common, so it gets grabbed. Mm. Mm. So how was it going into uh, then Linwood, now Aratai? Oh, no, it was Aranui. It's now Aranui. changed to Hayata. Ha, Hayata, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was actually, when I reflect back on it, it was, yeah, this is great. This is, I, I get the culture, I understand it. Um, it was a lot less rigid, ruled by this period, then this period, then this period. Um, relationship was key with the students, uh, and knowing the, the families, knowing the cousins, knowing the parents, um, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. However, um, as I got through my time there, I, I didn't share this with you actually, Colin, so right. whoa, here's some new stuff. Um, I, I was sharing with Bridie that I was getting quite frustrated um, towards my... I was there for six years, but started my fifth year, I, um, I was just struggling with building a bit of a backup file on students. And they say you're meant to keep a clean slate or a, or a clean slate every day. But I don't know, you might be a little bit like me when certain people behave in certain ways again and again and again, which isn't helpful and constructive to you or to others you do tend to build up a little bit of a, oh yeah, that's what this person is like. And I remember one time the student came into class, he came in late, he wasn't dressed properly, I had the class settled, they were doing individual work on computers, and um, he just started distracting a whole load of them. And I came up behind this kid and I said, I changed his name, um, Johnny, one day you're going to have a car, and you're going to have a house, and you might have kids and a wife, and you're going to have a mortgage to pay. And look at you now. You're mucking around and distracting other people. What's going on? He, said, he turns around and he goes, I'm only 13, man. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm, pro I'm projecting all of this stuff about me, the responsibility that I feel, and I'm bringing up all his background, and I'm kind of shoving it in his face. What a great response. I'm only 13. And I shared that with Bridie, and she just... And I said, what's changed? And she said, you have. You have not been able to release some of these negative connections so that you're not able to actually help this kid anymore. Because um, you can have connections with people, but some of them can be negative ones, and th therefore you don't want to help them. So yeah. Particularly in lower decile schools, mm. teachers only have access to students during set hours. Mm. And then they spend the rest of their life in a, in a setting that's often dramatically different. Yes. So I've talked yeah. to a number of teachers who've then gone to do something else that's got them into people's houses and they come back going, ah, oh, this is why. I would send them home with books mm. and they don't come back with the books because their home lives are just not like that. Mm. So there is an ongoing frustration for teachers working in that setting yes. where you just don't see the world they're living in. Yeah, and my wife actually worked at a place called Agape, which was on Breezes Road behind the police station. So Steve Reed used to run that. Anyone know Steve Reed in here? Yes. And um, it was an alternative education facility. And essentially, if you were excluded, translation, expelled from a school, 
um, under the age of 16, then you would go there. And Bridie had eight or nine, a dozen kids there. Mm. Um, And just some of the backgrounds that those kids were having were just... And and one time Steve said to Bridie, why don't you guys take an extra week um, instead of two weeks, have three weeks holiday? And my wife Bridie just said, look, we lose them at three o'clock at the end of each day, from three o'clock till 9 a.m. the next day, and all, and they come back totally messed up. We, we don't want to lose them for an extra week on top of that. Mm. Um, such was her heart for that. But that can lead to burnout, which, yeah, is a challenge. So, so I, I know where you're about to go, but just before you do, if I was to walk into your class when you were uh, teaching at um, Aranui, yeah. and, and you're tasked to teaching in a kind of Tadeo manner. Yes. What would be different? What would we know? What would we have noticed back then? Uh, the start of the of the period, um, you always begin with karakia, and you you make an effort to uh, relationally collect with each of the students, and you get them to connect with each other. And it was quite beautiful because the start of every day, we would have the whole of what we called the Fano together. So that was. Um, year 9 to 13, we're all together, and we would all start together, and we would start with karakia, and we would sing songs together, a little bit like church. A real, a real meshing together. Yes, yeah. yeah. And just that idea of intergenerational connections, um, as opposed to other schools where it's, you're in this class, you're all the same age, um, the learning objective today is we're going to do this, and by the end of the period, you need to have completed this, this, and this straight into it. Um, it's all about knowledge as a tradable commodity, rather than relationships being important. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The very, the very, uh, the, the very task-driven thing versus yes. something that very much about knowing connections, yes. being a part of something bigger than yourself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What happens next? Uh, in the lesson. Um, oh, no, I, was, oh. Just, just, oh, I just wanted a snippet of... of, of yeah, tell, me, tell me one other thing that we would have noticed as being different if we walked into that setting. Um, there was a real understanding of... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. So Manu Kōrero is the Māori speech finals. Uh, and they happen every year. And some of the phraseology around it is things like I'll translate it your grandparents are cheering you on uh, make your grandchildren proud of you um, ngai tahu have a saying more tato a more kauri a muri for us and our children after us it's all about acknowledging those people who we've come from and those people who come after us and that was huge within the Fano unit. Um, we had a wall that displayed all of the um, kaumatua, um, the, the elders that had passed on, that were part of, um, that were connected to the the children and the um, teachers there. And they are there, and they are acknowledged at the start of every day. Um, I don't know if some of you probably went to Marae, you see a wall with the, with the photos on there. So there's this real inherent understanding that. I am connected to the past and I'm also connected to the future, which I don't see so much in other settings. I don't see that acknowledgement of that. Linda yeah. and I were, uh, had the privilege of working in the kitchen of a marae yesterday um, and uh, 
when people came out to eat, you know, everyone's singing and mm. very unlike, uh, not my culture, you know, I, I don't come from this. Um, and, and then at some point there's a kapahaka group performing and some of the older people are going, these are our future which was uh, exactly what you were describing. Mm, mm. Okay, moving on from Aranui, what happens next? Um, we had a year in Canada. I taught there for a year, uh, and we came back pregnant, and I had another year at Aranui, and that was the time when I was feeling quite unsettled about carrying on there, uh, and a position came up at Middleton Grange School. I'd had an interview while I was in Canada and missed out on a, on a, a job, but that was God's working. That's a whole other story. Um, and I applied for this job, and I got a job at Middleton. And so I was there for 16 years, but I, for the first eight years, Aidan, will you teach te reo Māori? Uh, no, thank you. I feel like a fraud. I shouldn't be teaching te reo because I'm not Māori. Um, and so for eight years, I uh, resisted that. And then I had a study award for a year, which was... Māori immersion teaching, which is that huaka paunamu, the example I gave you. And to be completely honest, part of it was like, I need a year out of teaching. It's, um, and it gave me an opportunity to do this study. And so I did the study, but it just opened up this world of, and those of you who know Mark Larson, who's been a mentor of me, principal of Middleton Grange and involved with a whole load of Christian education um, throughout New Zealand, just said, look, Aidan, I believe that your upbringing and your gifts make way for you, and the experiences that you had are quite unique within Christian education, especially as a non-Māori. Um, I think you should go for this opportunity. And at the end of that year of study, I went up and was able to... It might sound a little bit ironic, but I wasn't able to implement my study at the, uh, at the end of that year at Middleton Grange, my host school, but I actually went up to Kingsway School, which is another one of the large Christian schools in Oriwa, north of Auckland, and I actually did some of the stuff I'd learnt that year with them. And that opened up opportunities for me to work with Christian schools up and down New Zealand, ranging from down in Dunedin to Hamilton to Kaitaia to um, Tauranga, Bethlehem, and then within Canterbury itself, there's six or seven Christian schools. So, And the focus has been around... Um, Understanding that we're part of God's woven story here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And I like your little quote there. Who knows? Maybe you were born for such a time as this. I mean, I'd probably steal it and go, you were born for such a time as this in this place. So I may have. So let me. Oh, no, 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 that's all right. Let me tell you our story. I haven't got time to tell you all of our story. That was kind of the. Um, this, that's where I would launch off into, but Colin and I were discussing that um, that might be for another time. Well, one of the things, if you're working in a world that's more, what is more important is connections mm. than the facts, then it becomes about stories and who are you connected mm. with and what happened before you. Yes. So you become part of yeah. something bigger. Actually, that's the Christian history, isn't it? The Jews would define themselves as a wandering Aramean eye, preferably Abraham, <laughs> and they would see themselves as part of a story that unfolded there, and then Christians define ourselves as mm. the people who are part of that story mm. of the God, the creator, who created and now is doing things to bring us mm. to a place of well-being. Yeah, yeah. I just want to see what I've got next there. So Genesis 1-2, 
Hopefully we're all familiar with it. Can we read this together? It's always a bit I, awkward doing this, it. but it's great to have that participation. So, in, in the beginning, beginning God, God created, created the heavens and, and the earth. earth. Now the, the earth, earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's interesting, isn't it? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God has always been in this land. And from my biology teaching and science, Aotearoa New Zealand has come up and down, over, out, in and out of the water. Over, But God's Spirit has always been here. And there is a unique expression of God in this whenua, in this land, um, that we get, that we understand, uh, that we know about, or maybe we're discovering that. And so uh, one of the, it's a bit cheeky, but I say God didn't get off the boat when the missionaries came here. In fact, if that was the God uh, that the missionaries represented, they did the best they could with their cultural assumptions at the time. But a lot of them at that time, they thought that to be Christian was to be respectable and independent. I don't know if the Bible talks about those as being the key virtues of being a Christian, being respectable and independent. Um, but that's what they brought. But God has always been here. And he has spoken things to the first peoples of this place here that I have been privileged to hear and journey alongside them. And now I get the opportunity to share with Christian schools and churches when they'll have me. So I haven't got time to go into all the details of this. Maybe that might be for another time, Colin. Yeah. Well, one of the things in hearing your story so far has been this kind of sense of, first of all, you're a little bit unaware. Actually, I've been given these treasures mm. for my background, which for a stage there I was not that appreciative of. I, yes. I saw it as, yep. as trouble. And then as your life has unfolded, there's been a discovery of, oh, actually, this is how I'm made, and there's some point to it. Mm, um, yes. I also quite like the, uh, a season of frustration. I think God often works mm. through, I'm used to this, this is what I'm comfortable with, and now I'm feeling really frustrated. I can find that in my life when it's mm. uh, actually God saying, no, 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 oh, there's something else now. So I, I'm going to make the uh, frying pan a little bit hotter for you. Mm. Um, so you're encouraged to step out. Mm. Some of this is about recognizing in your journey, the intentionalness of God. Mm. So less you're defined by the things that have happened around you, that, that kind of travel writer thing, but actually God has been defining in your story mm. these things that are gifts. Mm. And one of the kind of follow-ons from that was how much true is that of all of us mm. in our journeys? How has God been defining my journey, your journey? What is the stuff that is written there that is going to be gift in the next season? Mm. Mm. This is part of what I noticed in your story. Yes. So one of the, I guess this is one of the key things that I think about, uh, that God has called you and me to be a part of his unique story in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And... Uh, a friend of mine, Keith Newman, you may have read some of his books, Bible and Treaty and Beyond Betrayal. He's, they're pretty dense reads, but as you get more familiar with what God has done in this um, country, uh, he talks about a golden thread of God. His story is woven into this land. 
And I don't, you can, I don't know if you can see that, that yellow sort of between apart. I like playing around with English words a little bit. Because if you're a part of something, if I'm a part of it, then I'm actually... Hang on, I've got to get my phraseology right here. If I am a part of something, then I'm actually connected to it. So you are all a part of um, Parklands Baptist Community Church. But that's a part. If you're apart from it, that means you're separate from it. I don't know if that's making sense to you guys, but that little golden thread, that golden, that's the God bit, hopefully, that you are actually a God bit part of Parkland's Baptist Community Church. And so we sang earlier, I can't remember, I was trying to write it down on my hand, but I can't read my own writing anymore, but that's often what happens. But I think that leads on to the next slide, does it? So I am a child of God. That's who actually I am. That's my identity. You talked about being a, what did you say, Colin? It was earlier this service. Defining yourself against the moving background. That's right. You're a, you're a believer or, or a, a follower. follower of Jesus. Yeah. Yep. And I am a child of God. I am a part of his story in this land. I'm, maybe I might get called to China or America or Australia. But right now, actually, I don't think I will. But um, I'm a part of his story in this land right here. What are the things that God has got for all of us to do in this place right here, right now. And so often, when I share this with churches, I get people to actually say this. So if you're comfortable to say this, sure. if you would like to repeat after me, I am a child of God, a child of God, a part of his story, a part of his story, in this land. This land. Would you turn to the person next to you and say that to them, please? But you're going to say you are, yeah. So following on from that, uh, Ephesians 2.10. Can we say this together again? Is that okay? Yep. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I've been reflecting and and wrestling with this verse lately because it talks about work and works. Um, But I guess the first bit is that we are created by God. And uh, Colin and I have been talking about that, that we are created by God and therefore the experiences that he gives us and leads us through prepare us for later things. But there are works, there are things, there are relationships, there are connections that God has prepared in advance, like me coming here today, like me getting to meet Colin three years ago. Um, There are things that God has prepared for me to do right here at Parklands Baptist Community Church and in your workplaces. And when you walk out of here today, there are things that God has created for for you to do, not somebody else. And sometimes I'm challenged that I try and go and do what that's actually somebody else's to do. So we actually need to be walking closely with God, like what do you actually want me to do today? Because I could go and do those things because they're easy. But then that would prevent somebody else from doing it. 
And often I use that excuse with gardening, or somebody else could potentially do that. Um, But I'm sort of talking at more a, a spiritual, what has God placed for you to do in this place, in this land, in this community, at your workplace in Aotearoa, New Zealand? There's, yeah. there's one more bit of background to this. In this chapter, Paul starts talking about the grace of God, how rich God is in grace, how it is by grace we have been saved. And he goes on to say, for we're God's handiwork created to do good things. And I think that sits in a background of the grace of God. Mm. So we have stuff to do, but actually it is by grace we're saved. It actually is because this is where a part of this history rather than the whole which means there's not actually the kind of pressure that westerners we you know we focus in on the task and that's our thing Mm. but actually no there's more to it than that Mm. and i like to try and end on a positive and encouraging note which this kind of is um but just a little check if we don't know what's happened in the past in our local area with Christianity, then we can come with the best intentions, the best heart, the most graciousness. But some people actually don't like Christians and Christianity because of missteps that have been made in the past. And if we don't know the story of Christianity in Parklands or in Christchurch or in the South Island, um, the good, the bad and the ugly, we could... uh, How do I say this nicely, Colin? We could end up um, offending. We could end up damaging relationships rather than trying to strengthen and build on those because we're just unaware of what's happened in the past, the missteps that have happened in the past. Okay, I'm just going to challenge you a little bit. You were saying you try to find the positive in there. Mm. So what's the positive of that? The positive, I guess, is the invitation and the encouragement to see the amazing things that God has done in this place, Um, amongst Māori, amongst the settlers, amongst uh, the government. We've just got a new government that's been elected. Um, That God is at work and he continues to work through us and that we're actually part of his story in bringing his kingdom here, his Hmm. kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And one of our tasks is to speak those, to speak Hmm. the stories of this place and the stories of God at work. Mm. which I hope we've done some of this morning. Yeah. Thank you very much, Namihi Nui, yeah. for your um, kōrero. Um, if we can have the team, I hope you've been made some connections for your own life in this. Um, can I thank you again?